Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Solar Tech Talk. I'm Aaron Bingham, and I'm here with Kate Cullerton. We are product managers over at Baywa RE, and we're here to talk about solar energy and nerd out. Kate, how are you doing? What's, what's going on? What's new in the world for you? Uh, things are great here. I'm really excited about a, uh, a new initiative that we have started uh, here at Bewa RE Solar Systems. As listeners know, I am particularly passionate about solar recycling, and I'm excited to announce that we have uh, a partnership with a national solar recycler, uh, Cascade Eco Minerals, and they recycle all of our broken modules that we have to recycle, and they and they do that at a good rate, uh, a discount uh, from from what they offer customers just off the street. And the the initiative that we have is they have agreed to offer our pricing to our customers. So for any customers out there who have modules that are broken, that are sitting in the back of the, the shop or are in your warehouse, just taking up space, and, and you want to get those uh, to the recycler to do the right thing and, and, um, and keep them out of the landfill, then uh, get in touch with your, your Baywa sales rep and they have the details of the program and can get you connected with Cascade. Uh, to take advantage of this program that we have. That's so exciting. I, I know you've been working on that program for a while. It's it's kind of gone through different formulations and iterations as being an idea or as it was an idea. And now it's come to fruition. So that's that's fantastic. And gladly now we have a, a place to go. When right, exactly. Can be recycled. exactly. What, what about you? What's uh, what's going on in, in your world? What are you, what are you excited about? So as, as listeners will also know, I am out in California and um, I've been keeping a close eye on AB 1139, which was a, um, you know, a proposed piece of legislation that was um, presented by a California Assemblywoman earlier this year. And uh, it, it frankly was kind of terrifying, right? Um, it was a utility-backed push to try to implement some changes that would allow the utilities to, you know, change the existing agreement that they have with customers who've installed PV such that they'd be able to charge those customers a monthly fee and do some other things that would really eat away at the economics of installing PV. And it, it, was a, it was a very sophisticated push from the utilities and from the lobbying professionals that work with them. So, you know, I'm sure that the fight is not over, but I'm, I'm glad to be able to report that AB 1139 was defeated before it could pass the House and be passed on to the Senate for additional consideration. So thankfully for now, you know, this, this piece of legislation is no longer but I'm sure that we can expect to see more legislation of this kind, both here in California and all over the country, as utilities really start to get sophisticated in their push to maintain their monopoly on energy generation around the country. So on June 3rd, CALSA published an article just detailing the fight, where it started and, and where it ultimately ended this time around. So it's a great article. We'll include a link in the show notes. Um, invite everybody to check it out. You know, CALSA and some of the other um, solar energy advocacy organizations around California really stepped up their game and did a lot of important organizing that increased the visibility for our industry as this bill was being debated, um, you know, at the committee level. And, and it had an impact, right? So the bill didn't make it this time, you know, and we commend everybody that, that really was a part of the fight to make sure that that didn't happen. Um, at the same time, we're not going to be able to let our guard down. So I think that I can go ahead and plug a town hall that we'll be doing um, after this is recorded, but I think before the recording has been released. So we'll either provide a link to sign up for the town hall if it hasn't happened yet at the time of publication, or we'll provide all of our listeners with a link to the recording of the town hall so that you can check it out. And it's going to be focused on, um, you know, the AB 1139 fight in California and um, what the implications are for that fight and other fights that we can expect to see like it around the country um, in different states and different municipalities as the utilities there, um, you know, try to make sure that they can keep every single utility customer as a paying utility customer and for the rest of our days um, and not let anybody kind of become their own energy generation platform. Yeah, I'm excited for that webinar. And and I want to call out that that 
we'll talk not only about the legislative landscape, but also about uh, what's happening at on on the codes and standards level. Because in in all reality, investor-owned utilities in California, this is a war that they are waging on many fronts and working to to regulate certifications in order to be able to install certain types of systems. And so so we'll get into all of that at the at the upcoming town hall. That'll be on June twenty fourth. Um, and and again, there will be a link to the recording of that that town hall um, in our show notes. Fantastic! I encourage everyone to check it out. Absolutely. So, what are we uh, what are we focused on today, Kate? Well, uh, this is this show. We're going to talk about storage, and in particular, we're going to focus on uh, DC coupled options. Um, so we've got some great interviews ahead. One that we did with Solar Edge, and then uh, another interview with Generac, uh, talking with both uh, companies about their their DC coupled options uh, for for residential storage. Uh, we will start with the Solar conversation and we'll hop over to that interview. All right. We are excited to have Cameron Stewart here from Solar Edge Technologies. He's their senior technical marketing manager and he works with the Energy Hub product line very closely. Cameron, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm always excited to be talking to you guys at Baywa. Uh, yeah. So I manage basically all of our residential storage products and as well as our online designers. So if you have questions about batteries and storage, I'm usually the guy you got to talk to and <laughs> I can get you through those things. To kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about um, the Energy Hub? Give us an overview of the system design. Yeah, sure. So the Energy Hub with uh, is our new inverter line. We call it the Energy Hub inverter with Prism technology. And basically it's an evolution of our storage inverter. So if you guys know anything about SolarEdge's history, we've had a a battery-based inverter that we called StoreEdge. And that was battery connected, did small backup, and it was a great little product for 60 amp sub panel. And when we developed that product in the roadmap, we always knew we wanted to get it to the HD wave technology. And it was the last kind of holdout uh, but that we could really move over to the new platform. And when we decided to make the move, we listened to the feedback, we listened to our customers and they said, we want more backup and we want to be able to use an EV charger and we want to be able to manage connected devices and all those things. So when we developed the Energy Hub Inverter with Prism technology, we kept all of those goals in mind. And the essentially it is a hub that can manage many different things. So for example, it can be connected to a battery. You can choose to use that battery in conjunction with the backup interface for backup cases, or you can just have it grid connected battery to it and use it for a time of use arbitrage or something like that. It also has the ability to wire our smart EV charger directly into it. So the smart EV charger is kind of cool because not only can you charge your EV, uh, but you can, show empirically show that you charge your EV from renewable energy source, which is why most people buy EVs uh, instead of charging it from the peaker plant down the road. And then lastly, uh, SolarEdge is announcing, has announced our, our fleet of smart devices, relays, outlets, stuff like that. Uh, those are going to be launched later in the year. And so you'll start to see those come out. And with those products, you'll be able to get, you know, control, You'll be able to turn on and off certain circuits, stuff like that. And the Energy Hub inverter is going to manage all of those things. So, so we're here to focus on the residential Energy Hub product. And you mentioned that the system can act as a kind of a central hub or the, the central nervous system for all kinds of accessories, depending on the application at hand, right? So there's potential to manage EV, uh, chargers with or a single charger is that correct yeah so each energy hub could have a single evse wired directly to it you could in theory wire the evse to the backup panel if you wanted to go that route if you wanted to make the home ready ev ready they didn't have the ev charger yet so there's many ways to do it now the the best way to me in my opinion is to wire the evse the solar edge smart ev charger directly to the energy hub inverter and run a data line. And when you do that, then we can take advantage of things like solar boost mode, and we can really get a lot of great information and control out of the EV. You can run the EV and charge it at 
50 amps or excuse me, 40 amps continuous on a 50 amp breaker, but you won't be able to do solar boost mode uh, if it's not directly connected to the inverter. So if you have multiple energy hub inverters, then you can wire an EVSE directly to each energy hub inverter. Okay. And solar boost mode, um, mind sharing a little bit about uh, what that what that will do for customers? Yeah, solar boost mode is if you have your car plugged in and you're producing excess energy that would normally be clipped out of the inverter's output, that energy could be rerouted directly to the EVSE. So let's use our, our energy hub 7.6 kilowatt inverter as an example. So that inverter will never produce more than 7,600 watts and export that to the grid. But we allow a really high DC to AC ratio on that inverter. We allow you to go 200%. So that means you can put 15.2 kilowatts on that one 7.6 kilowatt inverter. Wow, so that's where, massive. <laughs> yeah, so where does all that extra energy go? Uh, so normally you would see what we call clipping and that's when you picture your uh, bell curve and you chop the top off the bell curve that's clipped, all that energy is wasted. So if you have a battery connected, we can absolutely capture that extra energy and put it in the battery. But if you have an EV connected, you could also dump it into the car. Now, it, uh, it does have its limits, right? Because usually we're not home during the day when we would see this clipping. We're usually at the office or work. Uh, but I guess I mean, that where was- where have you been the last year, Cameron? <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was pre-COVID, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as I'm talking to you from my home office. Yeah. <laughs> but in normal times, which we're increasingly returning to. <laughs> yeah, in, in normal times as, right. Which hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get to very, very soon, be back in the office with our friends, drinking coffee and gossiping around the water cooler. What, what other accessories- are needed for the most common cases? Yeah, so I would tell people that if you're just doing PV only, Energy Hub Inverter with Prism technology is a great way to go. Even if you're not planning on batteries, even if you're not planning on EVSEs or not doing anything. And the reason why is there's already a factory installed consumption meter. We call it the PI meter. It's production, import, export, P-I-E, PI, right? And so if you, for those accessories, if you grab a couple CTs and put those on the feeders to the service entrance. Now you can get whole home consumption monitoring. The homeowner has a better understanding of how they're using their energy throughout the day, what is being offset by solar, and they can change their energy habits as they need and better fit their system. You know, also on the backside of it, I really like the fact that it gives me some leverage and some ability to talk to my customers when they inevitably come back with to me, Cameron, I'm not seeing the savings you said I would see, what's going on with my PV system. And then you can show the, the power graph and say, oh, well, it looks like in July, you started turning your air conditioner down to 68 degrees. <laughs> so <laughs> of course the system wasn't big enough to handle that extra load, right? So sure. we can account for things like that. It makes those conversations a little bit easier to have. Then once the energy hub's on the wall, then the upgrade path and going back to those customers for resale is, is infinitely easier because you can go back and say, hey, Fire season's approaching, pg and is going to start turning off people's powers. Do you want a battery? Do you want a backup interface? And there's many great reasons to do that. Uh, so just having the energy hub inverter there with Prism technology just gives you all of those paths. Uh, another good example I like to give is my, my dad got a PV system and I was so excited. I got him some solar equipment. I'm like, we're doing energy hub and we put it on his house and already like he's been looking at EVs and he's, he told me the other day, he, he put his deposit down on the Ford, the Ford lightning, the, the new truck. Oh, that that's, that's awesome. And he's like, well, I'm ready for it. I'm like, yes, you are. <laughs> With solar boost mode. With solar boost mode. So, I mean, it makes those, those upsells, those little tiny incremental upsells that makes those a lot easier to do. Yeah. And it sounds like it, it helps folks feel like they're ready for the future, no matter what comes. Right. Exactly. So that gets the wheels turning it. And if you ask my dad, he was always a Mercedes guy, like Mercedes was his jam. And I showed him that truck and I told him about the EVSC and he's like, yeah, so let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. One, one more conversion out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so as you guys know, we acquired CoCam. They're the fifth largest battery manufacturer globally. So SolarEdge is the fifth largest battery manufacturer globally. And CoCam has a very amazing story and history in electrochemical storage. I mean, 
they make really niche batteries. Like you have servicemen and women that need to power their personal equipment for whatever weapons or tools they're using. Uh, drones, the actually the airplane that flew around the world on solar and battery power. Co-cam oh yeah, had. I read about that yeah. a couple years ago. Now I think that that was Cocam. So like, yeah, it was oh. a couple years ago, right? So they make very long-lasting, awesome batteries. So we wanted to leverage that capability and develop the Solar Edge battery, which we have dubbed the Energy Bank. It's a 10 kilowatt hour battery, roughly 10 kilowatt hours. Uh, it's going to be out very soon, uh, so I can't tell you exactly when, but uh, I will tease you that I might have one in my backyard hanging on my <laughs> house right now. Uh, being the technical marketing manager for storage batteries, uh, my garage during COVID turned into the de facto uh, test lab. So I've got all the, all the chemistries that we work with, and I plug and play on which batteries I want to use that day. <laughs> So if, if anyone has your address, they might be able to spot one of these in the <laughs> yeah, wild. Yeah. They might be able to spot one. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's, a, that's a super exciting development that we're waiting for and, and really interested in learning more about. You guys will probably be ready to release some specs in the next you know, couple of months or a couple quarters, I'll say, just to give as much yeah. time as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we'll be excited to see them. I, I know that there is a storage solution right now that um, folks can utilize with the energy hub. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that and what's required there. Um, so if, if someone has an energy hub uh, customer that's ready to add batteries, wh what do they need in order to accomplish that just on the hardware side? And, and uh, what are the steps that they'd have to go through to get that installed? Yeah, sure. So it, it really comes down to what do you want to do with the battery, right? Nine and a half times out of 10, you're going to hear, I want to back up my house, right? And that's that's the primary use case. Now, occasionally we do think about, well, what is my return on investment and how do I attack a uh, on-peak time market with time of use arbitrage? Like, how do I do those things? So let's start with the easy stuff. I want to back up my whole house. Uh, so the required components for that would be the battery itself. And then also what we call the backup interface. Now the backup interface is a microgrid interconnection device. And really all it does is it isolates the home's electrical service from the bulk grid. And so that way, when your system creates a grid, it creates a microgrid, you can run your PV, you can you know, use all your electrical outlets, appliances, whatever you want backed up in your home. You can charge your EV. So I, we've been charging EVs while in backup mode just to prove that we can do it. <laughs> That's awesome. So the most common question I get when we talk about backup is, well, I have a four-ton air conditioner. How do I back that up? And man, when you're looking at air conditioner loads, those become the most difficult things to back up. And you need a lot of inrush current to do that. So how do you do that? You just stack inverters. You keep on stacking inverters to get more power output. And when you stack inverters, you stack batteries as well. Okay. So I recently ran a, a test with a, with a customer in Utah who had three energy hub inverters, uh, all 7.6s with three uh, batteries attached, one to each inverter. And they were running 21 kilowatts while in backup. And they literally had no more electrical appliances loads that they could turn on to try to over power the system or we overextend were, it. Yeah. We were trying, so we were trying to get, uh, we were trying to get the system to trip off sure. just to make sure that it does That's that. The right? limit. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, the installer was plugging in drills, the <laughs> hair dryers were plugged in vacuum cleaners. He was running his microwave, <laughs> like popping popcorn. Like he had everything going and, uh, he's like, that's it. Like all the lights, all the fans, everything is on. I, air conditioners cranked on. I don't know what to do. And so we called that a win. You, sir, have true whole home backup. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. It's amazing. So that's a, that's a bit atypical, right? Was that all um, out of a single backup interface? Was that all connected to a single backup interface? That's correct. It was a single backup interface. Again, three inverters connected to that. And th those usually come with one breaker uh, uh, for a for an inverter installed. So a customer would have to purchase the additional breakers through SolarEdge or what's the... Yeah, 
That's a great question. So we sell a 40 amp breaker kit. And so those are 40 amp breakers. There's nine per kit. Uh, you can get those through Baywa or Solar Edge, right? You can get those kits. Uh, if, if you guys are having trouble sourcing them, uh, I can send you the part number, but it's a, it's a chint breaker and we look for the C or D. So Charlie or Delta curve. Uh, and you can use either we've been approved and tested with the 20, 25, 40, 50, and then 63. So you can get, if you can source those breakers from anywhere, then you can get them from anywhere. That's fair. Thanks. I'd like to talk about the, the customers you're going after with this. Who's, who's your target installer and who's the target homeowner for yeah. this? For backup or for? Yeah, for the backup. Yeah, sure. So target customer, target homeowner, I guess, would be anyone who wants to protect their most valuable asset, which would be their home, right? Uh, it is, I think the interesting thing about COVID is it really did shine a light on how we live our lives if we're stuck in our house. And open concept floor plans are very quickly changing because there's not a quiet space in your house with an open concept. <laughs> so things like that are COVID is going to change how we use our, our homes and live in our homes. Uh, one of those being when your power gets shut off, what do you do? I mean, this is your livelihood before it was, well, I'm at my office and it's only a couple of hours or whatever it is. But when you need your internet backup, because you have critical deadlines that you have to meet for your whatever your job is, those things become very important. So protecting your largest asset is, is probably the number one thing. So do I talk to a lot of, of people that prepare for grid outages and things like that? Sure, fair amount. But mostly I talk to the average homeowner that wants to A, do the right thing. They're concerned about renewable energy, reducing carbon emissions, uh, B, they want to protect their home. They want to be able to back up their stuff. And it's always, I want to back up my whole house. It's never, I want to back up five circuits. It's always, I want to back up my entire house. And then I think the, the third thing is um, for customers that are interested in technology and what's the latest and greatest and new things. And definitely if you're looking at EVs, you're driving an EV, you probably have a PV system or are thinking about a PV system and vice versa. So if you have a PV system, you're probably thinking about getting an EV and just that interest in technology allows people to say, yeah, I really want to be able to take my new truck and be able to power my home when I go into backup mode. So those kind of things, those are the, the homeowners that I think are most interested in our stuff. Our target installer is really anyone who wants to improve their business, right? So if, if you're happy doing what you're doing, then fantastic. I encourage you to do that. If you want to be able to grow your business, reduce your overhead costs, your main panel upgrades, if you want to become a Solar Edge partner and start drinking the Solar Edge Kool-Aid like I did so many years ago, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you want to become a Solar Edge partner, then yes, we can. We absolutely want to work with you. That's awesome. Yeah. And so would we. So you know, absolutely reach out to the Baywa team. We'll be able to answer your questions about Solar Edge and make sure that you get get connected with uh, with someone in your area who can help you get up with any purchasing that you need to do. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I was curious about is um, I've seen some updates recently announced by the Solar Edge team that it sounds like they were maybe some software or firmware pushes that um, added some functionality to the Energy Hub. Do you mind sharing the latest with our, our listeners and viewers on that front? What, what updates have happened and um, what are you expecting down the road? Yeah, sure. So as you guys know, with our current battery partner with Solar Edge and the Energy Hub Inverter, uh, they've transitioned into a, a new battery technology and they call it the 16H prime and the 10H prime. Uh, so we had to this catch up. LG energy solution. LG. Yeah, sorry, yeah. LG. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we had to catch up with the infrastructure and the capabilities that those batteries will lend to us. And what we ended up doing is, so we, let me take a step back. For the older generation, we can do multi-inverters and backup. We can do multiple, multiple batteries per inverter, and that's going to be on the 7.6 and below. With the new generation stuff, we just finished and we have launched the one-to-one. -one. So you can do one battery per one inverter. 
And if you need more than that, then I have, like I said, I've been beta testing some firmware. Uh, that site I was telling you about in Utah, where we had three inverters, three batteries, those are on the 16H platform. And so the test was very successful. We hope to have that firmware out very soon uh, for generally available to the public. So we'll get that out as quickly as we can. And then the lastly will be multiple batteries per inverter. And so you'll be able to do two batteries per one inverter on the new platforms. And uh, we'll see that hopefully by the end of the summer. That's awesome. So that'll push uh, maximum uh, uh, power connected to or battery uh, capacity connected to a single inverter right up past 30 kilowatt hours. Is that, am I hearing you correctly? If they're putting two 16H, LGES 16Hs on a single energy hub inverter? Yeah, exactly. So you'll be able to take 32 kilowatt hours on a single inverter. That's correct, yes. That's awesome. And and so will customers, after those updates have come out, will they be able to have a 16H and a 10H on the same inverter or will those always need to be on separate inverters? Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. Right now, they will need to be on separate inverters. And even right now, we're unsure of that. So again, I had stated earlier that my garage is a de facto test lab and I've got all the chemistries that we offer, right? And I cannot currently run every single battery in backup. I can only do one or the other. It is our goal to get there but I just can't tell you when. Yeah, that's completely fair. It's, you know, early in the, in the testing process, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully, hopefully someday I'll be able to say, yeah, you got a battery chemistry. Sure, you can do whatever you want with it. But as of right now, it's either the 16H prime or the 10H prime or the 10H or the solar edge battery. And nary shall any of them beat. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Good. Are there any other updates, any news about the Energy Hub from SolarEdge that you want to share with our audience? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So, have come out. We're coming out with our higher power Energy Hub inverters. Uh, those will be out again very soon. Hopefully, we'll have them uh, in people's hands very quickly. So, the the new higher power inverters. You'll see the ten and the eleven point four come out. And we're gonna also offer a new version of the 7.6. So the 7.6 will be a 7.6 kilowatt inverter while it's on grid. And then when it goes into backup mode, it'll be able to deliver 10 kilowatts of power. So it's built on the 11.4 structure and architecture and design, and it's just power limited to 7.6 when it's grid connected. So it'll have a dual listing similar to our old storage inverter, the 3.8. I was able to do 3.8 on grid and five kilowatts off grid. So kind of the similar philosophy. So you'll be able to see those higher power inverters coming out very soon. And I'm really excited because now not only can you get 32 kilowatt hours of storage on a single inverter, you can get 10 kilowatts of, of backup power or 11.4 kilowatts of backup power. So yeah. that, that's exciting. So you get three of those. Now, <laughs> now you're at 34.2 kilowatts of power. Then then you're, you're powering the, the average American home for the entire day in a single hour, right? <laughs> like, something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's, that's a tremendous amount of power. That's fantastic. So when people say, can I do a whole home backup? Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going to be a very exciting day when, when we're able to, to actually answer that question for folks. Yeah, absolutely. You 100%. Know, we can do this. Is, do you think when that time comes, do you think that um, SolarEdge will take a closer look at kind of certifying the energy hub ecosystem in some way for off-grid applications, completely off-grid applications? I get that question a fair amount. And uh, with our commercial inverters, we're starting to do this thing where we call um, DC commissioning. I forget the official mm. SolarEdge term for it. But basically uh, with our CNI inverters, it's very common that before you have a grid connect connection, you need to commission the system. You need to check all the optimizers are paired and check all the strings and all those, all those kind of very real installation things. So you're going to be able to connect a battery, uh, just a, like a rechargeable battery that you use for your phone. You're going to be able to connect that to the inverter, power up the Portilla, excuse me, power up the, the displays, and you'll be able to start pairing the inverter and commissioning. 
Now that same kind of philosophy could be applied to our residential inverters. But as of right now, Aaron, if you were to say, can you use solar energy inverters and off-grid? I'm gonna say no. And the reason for that is we need the grid to commission the inverter. We need to set up US 240, we need to activate it, and we need to be able to say you're a US inverter. Right now, you have no ability to commission the inverter without the grid. So can it ever be used for off-grid in general? No. Do people do it? Sure. I mean, I've seen some awesome Schneider systems out there with a solar edge inverter on it. It can, it can be done, but in general, I'm going to say no. That's fair. Got to Got to bring us back down to earth, huh? Yeah. So you mentioned the larger size um, uh, energy hub inverter options coming out fairly soon. Uh, we recently saw that there was a larger 3.8 kW energy hub option with a, um, it sounds like it's kind of the same as the old 3.8 storage, right? Where um, it has a capacity to be a, a 5 kW energy source uh, while in off-grid mode. Exactly. That's yeah, great. So same, same philosophy. So we took the 3.8 and we built it on a 7.6 chassis and we said, okay, here's your new 3.8. It's power limited to 3.8 kilowatts when on-grid. And now when you take it off grid, it can do 7.6 kilowatts. I think we might've said seven, seven kilowatts is the max it'll be able to do. So we call that lovingly, I call it the 387, which means <laughs> three, eight on grid, seven and backup. <laughs> can you tell me what's the best way to utilize the backup interface other than just for backup? Yeah, that's a good question because I've got a lot of a lot of installers are installing the backup interface to future proof the home. And the idea is right now we do a lot of things when we have oversized PV systems, we do a lot of things to shoehorn those systems into inadequate service entrances. Like uh, a notable example would be the renewable meter adapter, the RMA or the GMA. And that's basically a meter collar that sits behind the billing meter and you have to, instead of upgrading the service entrance, that's, you use this meter collar and you have to coordinate with the utility to get that thing installed. And as fire season approaches us, those lead times are gonna get longer and longer and longer. And sometimes dealing with that long lead time can really impact your business flow and revenue. So we want to try to avoid things like that. And so by utilizing the backup interface as a load side tap, not only are you avoiding that upgraded that GMA or RMA, you can avoid upgrading the service entrance in general, and you can put the backup interface there and then run the energy hub inverter directly to the backup interface. So by doing this, again, you're doing what's called a load side tap, commonly referred to as a Hawaiian tie-in. And when you do this, you can actually put a much larger PV system and you, you avoid the 120% rule. And there's a lot of great infrastructure ready to go if that customer decides to come back and get batteries. We talked about earlier how the energy hub inverter is a great starter piece. You can use the pie meter and you can get a grid connected battery. But if you really want to be able to just put in a battery and not have to do anything else, using the backup interface to avoid that RMA, that GMA, that main panel upgrade, using the backup interface for that is the best way to put some more money in your pocket because instead of that 1300, that $2,100 going to the utility, it's going to you to install a backup interface, right? So that is the best way to utilize the B BUI. That's really exciting. I make it sound exciting, don't I? You sure do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so um, someone who's who's utilizing that, there's two versions of the backup interface. Um, and in that example, the person is going to need which version of the interface, of the backup interface? Yeah, so really you could do either one. So the it really comes down to how big are the feeders uh, that you're protecting. So if you're planning on a 200 amp service entrance, then I would say get the backup interface that comes with the 200 amp breaker. That's the BIE version. If you're planning on doing anything less than 200 amps, then you're gonna feed it from a 100 amp breaker, or 150 amp breaker or something like that. Then you use the BIN version, which is the main lug only. And so that'll allow you to use to smaller conductor sizes that are appropriately rated for the amount of current that you're using. Cameron, this has been great information. Thank you so much for joining us on Solar Tech Talk. And we look forward to hearing more updates uh, on the Energy Hub series and other things from SolarEdge in the future. 
Thank you so much for having me. And as always, love hanging out with you guys. So I really appreciate you guys having me here. Uh, yeah, if you have any other questions, just reach out to Solar Support. You know, they're happy to help you. And if you can't get through to them, then your regional sales rep is also the best alternative. And then lastly, call Paywall. They'll help you. Great, I love talking to Cameron. He's always so much fun and so knowledgeable, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and I love the idea of having a test lab in, in one's garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's living the dream over there, you know? The, <laughs> it's COVID-induced, so temporary, I'm sure, but <laughs> still, still it must be very exciting for him and his family. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, um, how about we uh, hop over to the interview with Generac and uh, hear more about about what they have to offer. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about the power cell solution. It's got some really unique characteristics that you know we're not seeing in other from other manufacturers in the space. So I'm excited to talk to Jeff and Adam and learn a little bit more. Sounds good. Adam, uh, Jeff, one at a time, could, could y'all give us a little overview of, of what you do at, at Generac? Adam, we'll start with you. All right. Uh, I am a product manager for the PowerCell line of products at Generac. So my job is to make sure that we're finding products that fit the needs of customers, whether it's homeowners or installers, and making sure that those products hit the mark uh, and we can continue to satisfy customers and, and meet the needs out there. Great. Thank you. And, and Jeff? So Jeff McKendra, I'm director of sales for the Eastern half of North America for Generac Clean Energy Solutions. And uh, my team's job and, and my job is to build demand by educating our contractor base on why they should partner with Generac, why the power cell is a superior technology, um, as well as take their feedback and give it to Adam so that he can continually uh, improve our product line for our contractors. So to get things started, could you give us an overview of PowerCell, some of the features and benefits of, of the product? Sure. So PowerCell is a, it's a DC coupled solar plus storage platform and Generac uh, designs, manufactures, uh, writes firmware software for all the components. So starting on the roof with our rooftop optimization, uh, which we call the power zone, which optimizes groups of panels together. Uh, we have our own rapid shutdown device, which is an inline rapid shutdown um, inline rapid shutdown device really simple solid state switch just connects right in line between the PV modules that optimizes the the roof puts that power on a DC bus and there's a DC distribution panel in our inverter and the power will naturally flow from the PV into that DC distribution panel and then from there either, it's inverted into AC and sent to the house, or it is um, kept DC and sent directly into our battery, which is also connected in that DC distribution panel on the DC bus. So DC, uh, DC coupled platform, the ability to do partial or managed whole home backup. A lot of advantages to the platform, starting with, I mean, the fact that we are DC coupled means we're going to operate more efficiently. It's all Generac, right? So from a functionality perspective, it's plug and play. You connect our, our substring optimizers directly to the inverter. They pop up within a matter of seconds. You, it's plug and play. So if you have a, a MacBook and you connect an iPhone to a MacBook, you connect it via USB, pops up on the computer, it says, hey, would you like to transfer Aaron's music? And, and it starts to transfer the music. It's, it's a really similar platform to that. So easy to install, easy to commission, um, high efficiency because it's DC coupled. All the components are made, manufactured by Generac. And you have so much flexibility in terms of really from a design perspective, you know, the battery size is decoupled from the PV array size. You can have a 10 kW PV array with a nine kilowatt hour battery. You could have five kilowatt PV array with 36 kilowatt hours of storage all on the DC, uh, all on the DC bus. So you have a lot of flexibility. Like I said, partial home backup power, managed whole home backup power, which includes Generac's load management capabilities. Um, the list goes on and on, but I'm biased. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Can you guys tell us a little bit about uh, what led Generac to invest in developing a, a clean energy product and a clean energy, energy product line? I know that a few years back, there was that investment in both Pika and in Nurio. So that kind of kicked things off. Tell us a little bit about like what led up to that for Generac as, as a business. So Generac has been in the power generation business 
for 60 years now. And we do very, very well in that space, especially on the residential side where we're uh, the leader in home backup generators. And we've seen what was going on on the energy storage and solar side of the world. And we saw that both as a, a threat and an opportunity. And there was this tremendous opportunity in terms of growth that it was presenting. So we looked at that. And for a couple of years, we were kind of playing on the edges, keeping our fingers on the pulse, but um, saw that it was time to get into the market, saw the headwinds um, starting to drop down. We saw you know, other competitors making some good progress in the space and knew that the market was ripe for us to get into. So we wanted to start off with this solution and said, you know, what's the best way to get to market? Is it something we're going to do organically? And we have a very strong team and a lot of great expertise, but we didn't have the solar or the storage pieces that we could grow ourselves. And so we saw PICA as this great opportunity to to go out there, take this startup company, this startup technology, and scale it very quickly with, you know, the balance sheet that Generac had to put behind it, the footprint, the distribution, the reputation, the brand, all of that stuff. And so it made a lot of sense. But there was this other piece, this other element that was missing, and that was Nurio. Uh, so Nurio allows us to layer in this other data intelligence portion to that. And so now you're taking these physical products, these energy storage, these solar products, and you're layering in or you're unlocking the potential of those with this intelligence, with this software that's going in on the back end and extracting more value for customers, allowing you to use that in new novel ways. So we saw these two companies, um, the timing was perfect. And we said, we have to do this. We have to move quickly. And so we went the path of acquisition. And we took the Pika product, um, put it through its paces, did a, a design turn on it to make sure that it was more reliable, more robust and ready for the market. And then we rebranded it Generac and went to market. And that was all of two years ago now. And it's just, it's been a whirlwind ever since trying to figure out what's, you know, what's next. How can we continue to improve on that product and grow this new business group for Generac? That's fantastic. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about what is next. Uh, you know, Jeff told us about how the how the system works a little bit more broadly. What are some of the changes on the product development roadmap that you all see coming down soon? Yeah, I think one of the things we want to do is start closing some of the gaps that are out there or any of the perceived gaps in our product compared to some others. Um, one of the things is AC coupling. We know that there are products out there in the market today that are able to accommodate existing PV. And installers are hungry for another product that can come in and, and hold its own and compete in that space. And Generac's going to do that. So coming out soon this year, we're going to have AC coupling as a feature set. So you'll be able to go back to those customers who had installed solar in the past with this idea of being grid tied, completely offsetting their um, electrical consumption, but didn't realize the limitations and the fact that they wouldn't have backup when the power goes out. So we're going to be able to offer it, that capability later this year. And we're also going to be incorporating generator integration. So another feature set that is missing from the marketplace today, I think a couple of people are trying to get into it, but Generac is going to be the only one who can do it in a meaningful way, because again, we integrate all components of that system from the stuff up on the rooftop to the battery, to the inverter, the generator, it's all Generac. It's all talking the same language and it's all being designed by the same team. So, you know, it'll work together and you'll know it'll work flawlessly. So a homeowner who's sitting there wanting to save money, but also wants to make sure they can get through that three-day shutoff event or, you know, that, that winter storm that's one once in 50 years, but happens to them, um, we have a, a solution that's going to get them through that. So really the ultimate combination of savings, solar and storage, and resilience with the generator. So, so Jeff mentioned one of the, one of the um, accessories and, and features that um, the Generac system has a little bit earlier, the smart uh, management modules, the SMMs, am I saying that correctly? Yep. Share, share what those are capable of with our customers and maybe talk a little bit about what it means for the, for the energy storage sale, right? Because it really enables, um, you know, installers who are talking with customers interested in um, energy storage to help them understand like, okay, this is how I'll have to prioritize my, my consumption when I'm using the batteries and, and um, what I need to do to make sure that I get the most out of my, my battery backup. Yeah, Adam, do you want me to start with this one? Yeah, go for it. Sure. So 
I think we should start with with an anecdote, right? With a lot of our all of our competitor systems, they have a backup output limit. And if that limit is exceeded, the entire system shuts down for some period of time. Hopefully the homeowner's home, in some cases, they have to manually intervene. In some cases, the system will, you know, after 10, 15 minutes or so, it'll it'll restart itself. But the problem is the grid goes down, the, the well pump and the water heater turn on at the exact same time, and the homeowner loses power after spending tens of thousands of dollars on an energy storage system. Right. Well, it, it's sudden, suddenly you're, you're, you're like going from, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm safe to, oh, what happens? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And who do you think is going to get that call, right? The contractor. And they're probably dealing with a power outage as well. So, so you know, Generac for, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, like half a decade has been manufacturing these devices called SMMs, mm-hmm. smart management modules. And essentially what they allow us to do is, is, is sense a, a surge that is greater than what the equipment can, can power uh, on specific appliances and, and disaggregate that surge by shutting off any appliances that are connected to an SMM. So take this for example, um, grid goes down with the power cell, you, you can get a 50 amp motor start current, right? So you have quite a bit of power there with one fully loaded battery cabinet. Take the example of the well pump and the water heater. Um, I'm powering my, my lights, my fridge, my internet. I'm charging a phone. My well pump and my water heater turn on at the same time, and I have an SMM on each of them. Then once they turn on at the same time, the system is going to recognize that, and it's going to send a frequency signal to those smart management modules. They'll temporarily shut off power to the well pump and the water heater keep the lights, fridge, internet, everything else running. And then five minutes later, the SMMs will turn on one at a time, 15 seconds apart. And what that does is, again, it allows us to disaggregate the surge of those larger 240 volt appliances, thus letting us power more of them. So now imagine you get a 50 amp surge, but you get a 50 amp surge and the ability to disaggregate 10, 20, 30 amp surges now all of a sudden you can power like 90 100 amps a load you just have to split up when it turns on and these 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 smms are way more cost effective than adding more energy storage right some of our competitors like uh like tesla for example the solution has historically been just just add another power wall add another power wall the problem is unless you're you know tesla energy yourself like homeowners are paying 12 to fourteen thousand dollars for that extra power wall Everybody and, has a budget. Uh, smart management modules are just a way <laughs> smarter, more cost-effective way of managing that power. Adam, anything to add to that there? No, I think you did a, a great job of explaining it. Really, it, it gives you an opportunity to start more than you could otherwise. And when you're when you're trying to get through an outage and you want to live life like you did before the outage, um, this gives you an opportunity to have a, a sense of that still. Yeah. And even if you, if you can't live exactly as you were before the outage, you can at least live life in a way that's going to allow your backup system to meet your expectations, right? I'd imagine if somebody's AC system turned off, turned on, excuse me, right after they lost power and and the grid turned off for them, they, you know, they, even if the load could be supported, their batteries would be drained really quickly without something like a SMM on site kind of managing that load. Yep. So it helps to get you get the most out of that storage capacity for you too. Yeah, it's a really cool accessory. It's available in a couple di- different sizes as well, so can can meet uh, scale to different needs. Um, yeah. So we have we have two different versions. One is a fifty amp, and that's meant more for individual circuits, individual loads or appliances. And then we also have a hundred amp SMM, and so that can be used if you want to. Let's say you have a pole barn or you want to put multiple circuits on a a sub panel and have that be shed. So when a utility outage occurs and you know, you don't need everything in that pole barn running or pulling power out of your battery, you can have that SMM drop out that entire panel. What what are some of the minimums and maximums as far as um, the the power cell system goes, right? So of course you're going to need at least one inverter. Can you have two? How many batteries um, can be paired with it? And, um, you know, on the PV side, kind of what, what do things look like with the PV link and the snap RSA? Yeah, let's, uh, let's start rooftop down then. So up on the rooftop, we have our, our power zone. Again, that's made up of the PV links. So those are your optimizers. And those are substring optimizers. So those will allow you to accommodate roughly eight panels um, per PV link or 2,500 watts. The inverter is capable of handling up to 15 kilowatts of PV. So you break the array up, uh, you can have three PV links 
per string going down to the inverter. And then six total would make up roughly 15 kilowatts. So you can have up to six PV links on a single system. Um, you can have as few as one if you want. Then behind the PV links, again, staying with the within the power zone there, we have our SNAP RS, that inline disconnect um, that helps us achieve rapid shutdown. And that is going to be module level. So one-to-one, -one, uh, one SNAP RS per PV module. Then once we go down, um, staying behind a single inverter, we can have as many as two battery cabinets. And those battery cabinets are modular. So within a battery cabinet, you can have as few as three battery modules or as many as six. So that'll start you from nine kilowatt hours and get you up to 18 kilowatt hours all within a single battery module. The inverter can uh, accommodate two battery cabinets total. So that'd be 36 kilowatt hours or 12 modules spread across the two. So really uh, a lot in terms of flexibility to meet the customer wherever their needs are, wherever their budget is. And then on the inverter side of things, all of that that we just talked about was behind one inverter. And we can have multiple inverters on site, but they can't be parallel stacked for parallel islanding. So if a utility outage occurs, you have to have uh, both of those electrically isolated from one another. But then on that other inverter, you can again have two battery cabinets up to 15 kilowatts of PV. So we can scale out quite a bit to meet um, different size homes and different needs. Yeah, and, and there are a couple of um, transfer switches available from Generac that really help with that scalability factor, right? So yep. um, can you say a little bit about the different transfer switch options that are out there for our customers to check out? Yeah, so we have three different options. Uh, we have two service entrance rated switches, one at 100 amps and one at 200 amps. And then we have a non-service entrance rated switch at 100 amps as well. And uh, a new product that we're going to be coming out with soon is going to be a meter combo switch for the California market. So for those people who have been frustrated trying to get solar and storage into that market, we've got a great product that's going to combine a raceway um, for your service conductors coming in with the meter, with the transfer switch, and with the main distribution panel all in one product. Um, so that'll be a great way to offer whole home backup to customers out in that market. That's exciting. What's the time frame for that? Just out of curiosity. Uh, that'll be here in about the next three months. Three months. Okay. Yep. Uh, getting towards Q4, it sounds like. Yep. Fantastic. I, I'd like to hear more about your ideal customer. Um, who are you targeting these two, both from a, a homeowner standpoint and uh, from a contractor standpoint? Who who are you hoping will will pick these up? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I'll start with Generac has a large marketing team, right? And they, they've got the exact homeowner demographics nailed for what they're targeting. I can't speak to exactly what that is candidly. Like, like we're qualifying homeowners the same way that anyone in this industry is, right? Do you look, if you own a home and if you own a home and your roof is a good application for solar, then anyone who is a potential solar customer is a potential storage customer. So, so a lot of our qualification, once we get the lead, is making sure they're going to be a good candidate for solar, right? From a contractor perspective, a lot of folks ask, like, what are the markets that we go after for contractors? To be totally frank, it's not, we've realized with the exception of a few markets, like Hawaii, for example, where we have 100% battery attachment rates, you know, it's, it's, it's not always so much about the market as it is the mentality of the contractor. We have contractors throughout the, you know, the Midwest and the Southeast who are selling like, you know, 80% battery attachment rates just because they offer it on every single job, right? They know how to talk to homeowners about, about a monthly payment for peace of mind or a backup power system. They're not, they're not saying, oh, by the way, we can sell you a battery for 20 grand. They just, they know how to talk to homeowners and they're motivated to do so. So they do it. From a contractor perspective, obviously we like to target, you know, like a medium to larger size contractor, but you know, the reality is we've got a lot of long tail accounts who we serve, you know, we serve very well and, and we take care of those partners. So I would say it's not geographically based. If you're, if you're installing solar and you're looking for a battery solution, Generac is going to be a good solution for you. Yeah, I think I think the flexibility of the product line really lends itself to being a strong player in just about any any market, right? So um, from what we've seen with with our interactions with you know customers who've been using Generac, it's like it's it's a great fit all over the country, especially because you your your company and your team has that lengthy history with providing backup options um, for customers, right? You're you're one of the biggest brands 
in that space already. And so building on that, on that name brand recognition, I think it automatically lends trust to some, to, you know, to some customers, to some homeowners when they hear the Generac name. I think the thing I would add to that too, Aaron, is like, it's, it's not just the homeowners, it's the contractors themselves, right? Like the contractors are putting their brand right next to another company's brand. And Generac's been known for decades for providing reliable backup power solutions. If I'm going to sell someone a backup power system, I'm probably going to try to pair my name with Generac's because, you know, I trust them to be here in 25 years to support the equipment, to pick up the phone when I call, uh, to make reliable product. And because of that, you know, that's a, that's a big reason why we win contractors as well as homeowners. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. There's there's a lot to be said about uh, that uh, brand recognition. Do y'all have uh, a contractor program? And, and can you tell us more about that? Yeah, we have our certified installer program, our power partner program. So uh, in order to become a certified installer, you have to attend our power cell certification training, which we run uh, a few times a month now since COVID. It's been web-based. So really, really accessible. And once you've completed that, you are technically a certified installer. So you'll get a dealer ID, a tech ID, that'll give you access to technical support. And then from there, we'll work with you to onboard you as a power partner. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier that Generac has a huge marketing uh, marketing department and, and marketing programs, right? We're spending tens of millions of dollars on marketing annually. We're driving thousands of homeowner calls, and then we're pre-qualifying them and then taking those leads and passing them to our contractors. Well, we only send those leads to our contractors who are signed up as power partners. So I would urge anyone who's considering becoming a partner of Generac's certification training. And then from there, we'll get you signed up as a power partner. I know earlier this year, there was a kind of exciting special that you guys were offering to new Generac uh, installers. Yep. First registered power cell system, I think before the end of this month is, uh, is it receiving a $1,000 rebate back to the contractor? So tell us about DC coupling. What are, what are some of the advantages that you see there? Yeah. So most commonly when folks think about the advantages of DC coupling, they think about the fact that with an AC coupled system, you're taking DC solar power that's already been inverted and clipped. And they just think about the losses of taking AC, inverting it to DC, charging the batteries, inverting it back to AC and sending it to the house. There's definitely uh, an advantage to DC coupling there where, you know, we're taking DC solar power, we're charging our batteries, DC, we're only inverting that power one time through the inverter. Uh, but the other large advantage is, you know, some of our competitors clip panel production at the panel level, right? So we have customers who will put like a 340 watt panel on a microinverter that can only ever output 250 watts. And when you think about that, every single panel is being limited in the amount of power that it can produce. And if you look at that over the course of a day, especially in that example, that's a ton of lost power. And even if you combine a battery with those systems, it doesn't do you anything because you're, you're never going to touch the power that the, the microinverter in that case is not allowing you to, to make, right? So as an example, with our system, if you have 30, 340 watt panels and you have like a 10,000 watt PV array, so we have a 7.6 kilowatt inverter. And so a lot of folks would think, okay, I'm putting 10 kW on a 7.6. That's really oversized. But the reality is if you're pairing our system with the battery, I can send 7.6 kW to the AC side, to the house, to the grid, while I'm charging the battery with the other 2.4 kW. And so even if you factor in like on the 340 watt panel on, a, on an IQ7 or a 250 watt micro, in that example, even if you're factoring like 10% losses on the roof or so, we're still going to save that homeowner thousands of dollars over the life of the system by not clipping production at the panel level, by taking that excess potential energy, putting it into the battery, and then just discharging it to the house throughout the evening. And so the benefit when you're grid tied is we can literally make more kilowatt hours than our competitors if, you're, if your system's oversized, right? Which they commonly are, because we could take the excess energy, put it into the battery and discharge it to the house. So we're gonna make more kilowatt hours, which saves you more money. But in addition to that, what is more kilowatt hours when the grid goes down? It means that we're gonna back up your house for longer. And because we have smart management modules, we're able to back up more of the house. So when I look at Generac's you know, top line advantages over some of our biggest competitors today, In my opinion, apples to apples, if you're going to put a a PV array with our inverter and our battery versus an AC coupled system, we're going to produce more energy on a daily basis, which is going to save a homeowner more money. When the grid goes down, we can back up more of the house for longer. 
you know, we've talked a lot about Generax hardware and you guys have phenomenal product and the um, power cell offering, but a good hardware product these days is probably only as good as the software that's behind it. And I know you guys have a great, um, great software kind of that you've developed from the, from the Nurio acquisition, but can you tell us a little bit more about some of the features that, that are available now via software and are going to be available soon? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think to your point, it, it is that Nurio acquisition, the addition of that intelligence that we get to put in and layer into our products that, that unlocks more potential. So as these systems get more complex, as we bring together more sources and are trying to manage loads, storage, solar production, virtual power plants, right? The, the systems have to be more intelligent and they have to be able to accommodate new grid codes, new functionality. And so our products have been built with the capability to update the firmware. And it's something we haven't done a good enough job on highlighting and promoting, but all our products in the field today um, can get firmware updates remotely over the air. So as long as that system's connected, we can send you the latest firmware. We can make sure that um, any improvements we've made along the way, any new features or functionality that we've rolled out can be applied back to that system. So for instance, AC coupling and generator integration, those are two firmware-based solutions that are gonna be rolled out. So systems that are out there in the field that you know, had been installed originally just solar and storage, and they've been through an outage and said, you know, I, I got through most of the outage, but boy, it'd be really nice to have that peace of mind to have the generator there backing up. Great, we got you, keep your product as it is. We'll flash the firmware update. We'll bring the generator and install that. So all of that's existing today, and we're only going to improve the features and functionality that we can continue to roll out. So. On the, the monitoring side of things, if we get new features, um, you know, disaggregation or advanced load control, we can roll that out to you without having to roll a truck, right? It's all available remotely. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been really cool to see how, how your team was able to not only develop a solution that offers customers one hand to shake, but then uh, gives them that ability to, to you know, see their systems functionality you know, change and grow as you're able to improve the software side of things. Jess and Adam, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thank you. That was a great talk uh, with Jeff and Adam. You know, for, for such a new entrant into the energy storage space, relatively speaking, Generac has been making waves. It's been incredible to see them kind of not only develop this product over the last few years, but bring it out to market and um, provide such a strong offering out of the gate that's so immediately competitive with so many of the other more established um, options from other manufacturers. Kudos to Generac and, and the team over there for busting their butts and making a lot happen. <laughs> so we're at the end of the show and it's time to hear a, a tale from the roof. Once again, we're, uh, we've got a story from a listener. Uh, this time it is uh, from Jeff Speeds. Uh, who was a guest on a recent show, and he's got a, a story to tell us. But before we, we jump over to that, I want to remind listeners that we would love to hear your stories uh, from the field. So uh, if you have a fun story, exciting, scary story that you want to share with us, please send it in. There are instructions in our show notes. Um, so send us your stories and we'll, we'll play the best ones on the air. If you, if you have a story that kind of reaffirms why you're in the business that we're all in together, um, reach out and share that with us. We'd really like to hear it. And I'm sure that our other listeners would too. Exactly. So let's, uh, let's jump over to that, that story from Jeff. All right. I'm going to tell you the story. You said you wanted a story that's both scary and or funny. And uh, I think this one qualifies. So this would have been in 2016 when I was filming the uh, for the documentary Solar Roots with David Katz. And David had offered, he had installed some PV arrays on his land partner's home that was just up the hill from his original homestead uh, back in the early eighties. And these are some of the first PV modules that David had ever bought when he started alternative energy engineering in the late seventies. And when he first got into PV in the, like 79, this, these modules would have been probably in the first several batches he bought. So he installed them on his land partner's house and 
there, there were a variety of modules. You had, in fact, right here, my Arco 16 2000, the taller one that has this yellow sticker. That was some of the modules that were in a tilt-up array, but they had a bunch of these Solar Power Corporation modules, which I'm pointing to right now, which have the round cells that were also purchased in the early 80s, and they were literally laying on the shingles of the roof. There was no racking system, no method of connecting them to the roof officially. But uh, the story that I guess you could say was scary and funny simultaneously is when I tell people that those Solar Power Corporation modules had no racking, my friend and Jason, the director of Solar Roots, tells me, no, 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 those modules were attached to the roof by a complex network of wasp nests, which is true because as we were removing those PV modules so I could save them as a historical keepsake of the history of our industry, uh, as we were removing those modules from the roof, we were disrupting these wasp nests and all the angry wasps were chasing us around this roof, which was literally about 25 feet off the ground. And for better or worse, we weren't wearing small protection. And I thought that would be kind of a very bad thing to have Jason or I fall off 25 foot roof off the ground as we're getting chased around the roof by wasps which were angry because we were harvesting these old solar relics. So uh, it was it was funny in a way. It was funny after it stopped being scary. Uh, so that's my story. Don't do that. Wear fall protection. The end. 